0: This is an RNZ podcast.
1: Hello, I'm Simon Morris. When a halfway decent film comes out, there's more than enough credit to go round, you'd think. The talented writer whose screenplay formed the blueprint for the final product. The director with his design people and camera crew who shot everything they could find to illustrate this script. The actors who did whatever they do to add a bit of value. But in the end, there's one person who has to take all this wonderful raw material and turn it into something people will actually pay to see. And that's the editor. You, you sold it out. I can't believe it. How could you let him sell you out? I mean, what about truth? What about the reality? What
2: about the way the old ending tested in Canoga Park? Everybody hated it. We reshot it, now everybody loves it.
0: That's reality.
1: The director hands the editor a pile of footage, in some cases a truckload of footage, with the words that every editor dreads, find the story in this of course that's the whole job of any film but behind every superstar director there's a mostly anonymous editor doing the heavy lifting the last time makes a film while them
0: in the end you got ahead you can have flaws problems but while them in the end and you've got a hit
1: find an ending the editor selects the telling shot, decides whether a scene is necessary to the story, whether an entire storyline is getting in the way of what the film's about, and of course, less rarely than you think, whether the whole thing should be seriously reshot.
0: Would that it were so simple. Would that it were so simple. Would that it were. Was... Watch my mouth. Would that it were the same. Would that it were the same. Would it twist the same. My dear boy, why you say that? Why do you say Well, you said say like I say. Would
1: that
2: it the same.
1: Well, this week, one way or another, it's mostly about editing. Two films each take a fascinating real-life story and then struggle over how much history to include and how much might be improved by making it all up. And we talk with one of Pixar Studios' crack editors, Kevin Nolting, Pete Doctor's right-hand man. But the big news this week was the Oscars. So, what happened? And the Oscar goes to
2: Nomadland. We <laughs> give this one to our wolf.
1: Well, one thing that happened is the awards for Best Film, Best Director and indirectly Best Actress went to an editor. All the headlines were about the fact that Chinese-born Chloe Zhao was the first woman of colour and the second woman ever to win Best Director. Very few mentioned she also wrote, produced and edited Nomadland. But this year, movie-making took a back seat to important subject matter.
0: Stand in the middle because that's where healing happens. That's where conversation happens. That's where change happens. It happens in the middle. So anyone who wants to meet me in the middle to refuse hate, to refuse blanket judgment. This film is a tribute to women everywhere in the world of any ages that uh, who are joining hands and fight for justice.
1: Most of the rather long speeches from the predictable winners stressed the real-life inspiration behind many of the finalists, and, understandably, I suppose, the difficult times that led to these Oscars being a shadow of their garish former self.
0: Do you know do the United the of Come on, let's see, it. let me see you do the butt. Let's see you.
1: Most of the favourites won, including supporting actors Daniel Kaluuya and Yujang Yun for, respectively, Judas and the Black Messiah and Minari. Emerald Fennell won Best Original Screenplay for Promising Young Woman, one of the very few comedies, albeit a pitch-black one, to get any attention this
2: year. Oh, my gosh. Oh, they said write a speech. And I didn't, because I just didn't think this would ever happen. And I'm going to be in trouble with Steven Soderbergh. I'm so sorry. I
1: don't But the award show itself was awful and undercooked, favouring self-congratulatory speeches over clips of the movies themselves. Peak misjudgment came at the end, where Best Film was demoted to make room for the Best Actor award. It was meant to be a worthy tribute to the late Chadwick Boseman in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, but it ended up rather an anti-climax.
2: And the Academy Award for Actor goes to... Anthony Hopkins, The Father... congratulates Anthony Hopkins and accepts the Oscar on his behalf. Thank
1: you. The fluffed punchline pretty much summed up this year's Oscars, which seemed to be about everything except movies. But there was one performance that richly deserved its Oscar nomination, Andrew Day in The United States versus Billie
2: Holiday. Don't you know who this is? She was thinking of something more special. I'm now flashy, you
0: know. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Billy Holiday.
1: When a film about famous singer Billy Holiday, the FBI and the war on drugs was pitched, nobody complained there wasn't enough plot. Billy's childhood was horrific. She got out, started singing in New York and became a star when she was barely in her 20s. She was one of the great jazz singers when all the competition was turning to pop. She was a drug addict and everyone knew it, and she was loved by the fans like few before or since.
2: Reporters keep asking me, Billy, why do you do the things you do? This is what I tell them.
0: I love me. We love you.
1: She gained the respect of most of the top musicians of the day because how could you not? Even the great Ella Fitzgerald knew Billy had the edge. And she also had the song, the number that Time magazine later called the Song of the Century. It was called Strange Fruit. Which one of my songs is your favourite song? Strange Fruit. It's a song about important things, you know, things that are going
2: on in the country.
1: There were protest songs at the time, but Strange Fruit was something else. A furious attack on Southern racism. It was written by hardcore Jewish communist Abel Mirapol, but Billy made it her own.
2: Then trees
0: Get her off that stage.
2: They're strange fruit
1: and thereby hangs the tale. A song against lynching, which you'd think couldn't be less controversial, who could possibly disagree, proved to be the opposite. In 1937, a bill opposing hanging black suspects without a trial attempted to be passed into law. It failed. The strongest opponents to the idea, believe it or not, were the FBI. Director J. Edgar Hoover was worried it might start a race war even more extreme was an FBI agent called Harry Anslinger.
0: This holiday woman's causing a lot of people to think the wrong things. It's a starting
2: gun for this so-called civil rights movement.
0: Those lyrics provoke people.
2: Y'all got a plan?
0: She's a drug addict. Exactly. I cut strange fruit. I want to sing the damn song. It's for your own good, okay? Okay.
1: Anslinger's blatant racism indirectly led to him launching the war on drugs, particularly heroin, because, according to this film, heroin was the drug of choice in the black community. Well, as you can see, there's a lot to pack into the United States versus Billie Holiday. But the correct way to do it, as any editor could have told director Lee Daniels, is start unpacking.
0: And the blessy piece says Billie Holiday is the voice of our people. I think we should integrate the audience for the show. Let's change it up a little bit. You know, blacks and whites sitting together.
1: The curse of the show business biopic is trying to cram everything in, all that wonderful research you've done. But the solution is usually to chop it down to a manageable event, a significant weekend, one important relationship, a build-up to a triumph for a disaster. And music biopics also often fall down on the central performance. These people are called inimitable for a reason.
0: You know what you were getting yourself into when you decide to come on the road. Get out my goddamn clothes. I'm going to take everything except your bra and your man. <laughs>
1: Fortunately, that's not an issue in the United States versus Billy Holiday. The star Andra Day was already a singer with a strong vocal resemblance to Lady Day. But her acting is equal to the task, too. This is Andra's first major film, and her range proves to be astonishing. They
0: won't let me sing nowhere. No clubs, no money, no nothing. You gotta understand, baby. Right now I'm in a situation. Would you say we could beat this building? I need some now. Blood on the leaf.
1: However, the rest of the film is the usual biopic Irish stew, forcing in everything whether it fits or not. The two best things about the United States versus Billie Holiday are star Andra Day and the fact that you may be encouraged to find out more about the real life Billie and why she still matters. I think I
2: must stop singing that song. Your grandkids will be singing strange fruit. Comedian
1: Eddie Izzard for a while was the greatest thing on stage. Loose, intelligent, smart as a whip and the funniest comic in the world. But for some people that's not enough. Eddie translated the stage acts into various languages, including French and German, and then ran an astonishing number of marathons, just to show you.
0: Stop, I have to stop this.
1: And as a final challenge to reporters around the world, Eddie reassigned genders, or at least pronouns. No longer in boy mode, Eddie is now proudly a she, though still playing male roles in films like Six Minutes to Midnight.
0: Welcome to Augusta Victoria. There's been an alliance between England and Germany yeah, for many years.
2: What sort of Englishman would accept a post teaching Herr Hitler's League of German Girls? See?
1: There's another challenge Eddie has faced for years, to become a serious movie star, not a comedian who dabbles. And to further that transition, she's written a script based on a real-life event, or at least a real-life establishment. Six Minutes to Midnight is set in Eddie's old hometown, Bexhill-on-Sea, just before the Second World War.
0: Is this your first visit to Bexhill? Yes, it is.
2: You come recommended by an agency. Not of different schools, I see. Thank you. That wasn't a compliment.
1: Sussex is the site of an unusual school presided over by headmistress Miss Rockall, played by Dame Judy Dench. At the time, there's an informal alliance between certain circles of Britain's ruling class and Hitler's Germany. The Augusta Victoria College was set up as a sort of finishing school for the daughters of Germany's leaders.
2: They are the daughters of the Nazi high command. As soon as there's movement, we'll take the school.
1: England can be an unforgiving place if you happen to be German. The British Secret Service has an interest in this school and send in a crack agent, Thomas Miller, Eddie Izzard, with a licence to teach English.
0: It can often be hard to tell who someone really is, who is good and who is bad.
1: I have a list of Nazi conspirators, English traitors. Now imagine one or two sceptics at this stage are wondering how much of this last stuff is actually true. Well, no, not all of it. In fact, I suspect once we get past the school's existence and the fact that there were a significant number of Nazi sympathisers in high places in 1939 England, much of the story of Six Minutes to Midnight has been cobbled together out of contemporary boys' own papers.
2: The war office believes the Germans will extract the girls before the end of summer. Keep searching out.
0: We're running out of time.
1: It smacks too much of the morale building B movies of the time, right down to the none more 1940s title, Six Minutes to Midnight. And while I'm always very fond of Eddie Izzard, I have to say she just doesn't have it in her to be an irony free star of a spy story.
2: This country is at war with Germany.
1: Germany can't afford the girls to be captured. Can you
2: assure me you haven't been compromised?
1: Despite the film playing to some of Eddie's minor strengths, the character runs long distances, for instance, and occasionally slips into German, Eddie's still no real threat to Benedict Cumberbatch, or Judy Dench, for that matter.
0: Der Führer würde sagen, dass er nicht
1: Manns verliert. Der Führer würde was sagen? Mein Vater ist deutsch. Ich mag nicht Surprises. Would it have helped if she'd favoured her major strength and turned this vintage slice of cheese into a comedy? Only with a more experienced writer, I suspect. Eddie's friends have loyally backed her up. Aside from the hard-working Dame Judy, there are cameo roles for James Darcy as a sinister policeman and Jim Broadbent, no less, as a jovial bus driver.
0: A war with Germany will be the end of England. No-one likes a traitor.
1: These girls give me hope. (coughs) But the test of a film based on real life is this. Are the most unbelievable elements in fact actually true, or are they, in the main, mostly made up? Unfortunately, Six Minutes to Midnight falls firmly in the less satisfactory camp. My girls are not the enemy. They're German, aren't they? When the animated movie Soul, directed by Pixar's Pete Docter, surprised no one by picking up the Oscar for Best Animated Feature, some critics wondered why the Academy hadn't gone further, and at least nominated it for Best Overall Picture. It was clearly one of the best films of the year. Doctor's longtime editor, Kevin Nolting, was Soul's Secret Weapon. In fact, most people aren't even aware what the editor of an animated feature does. And when I say most people, I mean me, of course, and I was delighted to get a chance to talk to Kevin ostensibly about a recent side project. Kevin got to direct a little short film spin-off of Soul called 22 versus Earth.
0: Meet 22. I don't want to go to Earth. Stop fighting this. I don't want to. Oh, okay, look, I already know everything about Earth and I don't want anything to do with it.
2: <laughs> what is the idea behind 22 versus Earth? So we often do these Short films as extension of the feature. It started back in the DVD days, where we would do. It was almost like a DVD bonus to have a just another little added em- element based on the feature, and it's in the tradition of that. As far as 22, as we were making Soul, the main character in Soul is Joe Gardner, and we we show a lot, a lot about his life and his background, his family, his friends. And 22, it was always, we pick her up where she is. She is the character she is when we pick her up and then she's in the movie, but we don't know much about her past in soul. And, you know, as we were making soul, we talked about it, like what made her this way. And, well, what were some of the key experiences that turned her into this?
1: I remember talking to Pete Doctor about the character, and he described it very well. He said that most of the souls have got names like ten billion and six now. And right. This one is twenty-two.
2: She's not <laughs> 22. going anywhere.
1: She's staying. <laughs> yeah. Right.
2: Why did she do that? Is sort of the story of twenty-two versus Earth.
1: It's very sweet, but it's also
2: very challenging technically, isn't it? I mean, all those soft edges. How difficult um, is it? Uh, you'd have to talk to somebody who actually has to do it. Because <laughs> for me, it's not very difficult at all. But um, You just say, get on with it. it <laughs> but it is incredibly technically difficult. I learned that, you know, I didn't know this as I was working on the movie, but as we got into making the short, and we got into that hall of everything there with all those the props already existed, and then I'd say, oh, "I want to move this a little ways, or I want to make this move and go across the screen." And they said, "Oh, in order to show it from a different angle, we have to relight, reshade." And it was a uh, it was a very involved process.
1: But your own background so, is in actually in post production, isn't it? In editing. I mean, was this the first time you'd ever say worked with voice talent?
2: Um, yes and no. I have directed little live action shorts before. Traditionally, editing is considered post production, but at Pixar, it's considered pre production, production, and post production. We're involved from the very early days of writing and we rewrite through editing. So I'm actually at every recording session. I've experienced how, especially, Pete Doctor works with actors. And I'm at Animation Daily, so I learned how to direct from him, essentially.
1: Well, I'm glad you brought up the subject of editing, because I'm fascinated to know what an editor does in an animated film. I mean, I would have thought, well, clearly wrongly, that it
2: would be already pre-edited by the animator. But there's clearly an awful lot to it, isn't there? Oh, yeah, it's just the opposite. By the time the animators get the movie the voice has already been cut by an editor you know the whole movie has been created in storyboards essentially and blocked in layout so we're heavily involved in the writing process we write through storyboarding with a you know we have a writer and we have story artists who draw the script and then the editor cuts it together with dialogue music and sound effects we do that over and over again for a number of years this explains my
1: next question really which is i was looking down the editing department and there's so many people there's assistant editors the second editors additional editors and finally lead editor which is your role these days And rather than sort of trying to break down what each of those jobs is, I thought I might sort of ask you what you did on specific projects. What did you do on Finding Nemo? What was your role on
2: that one? Um, I started, I was brought in to be the first assistant editor and I started editing about a year in. And then I think I I finished with an editing credit of some second editor, associate editor, whatever we called that. I was not the lead editor, but I was credited as an editor. I know that you moved to lead editor on
1: three great films with Pete Doctor. Up was a wonderful film, but also a very challenging film, I would have thought, from an editing point of view.
2: Yes, it was. They all are.
1: And then you moved to Inside Out, which proved to be even trickier. What was the biggest challenge on that?
2: Um, Yeah, that, just from an editing story point of view, is the weaving between the mind world and the human world, the the real world. Yeah, that was definitely the biggest challenge, is to keep those distinct but keep keep it flowing, you know. What was the major challenge for soul when you were working on that? Soul was probably the one that we had at the time. We... We started off with the least concrete script, let's say, and the world wasn't as defined. Even Inside Out was more defined, I think, at the beginning. So just trying to find the character and the story and the world all at the same time. I remember asking Pete again about this, where the
1: story was originally about souls... And ended up being a middle-aged music teacher.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. That's a jump. <laughs> <laughs> you would be shocked to see the first versions of a Pete Doctor movie. Oh, like, really? <laughs> how different they are from the final product. Is there blood on the floor? Or I mean, do you get into I arguments know, with him? Well, everybody, you know, we get into creative arguments, but not real ones um you know pete's there's an exploring aspect of filmmaking and an execution aspect and pete pushes the limit on the exploring aspect let's say we spend a lot of time exploring which is great i think that's the big difference with working with him how was it
1: for you going from editor to director on 22 versus earth i mean is that was it a big jump or was it a, a a small jump
2: it is a subtle jump in the sense, I mean, it's a big jump in one respect, but it's very subtle in another respect. I spend so much time with the director, and I've had the best teacher in the world for the last 15 years. So I'm in animation dailies. I work closely with the camera department and the story department. Over the years, I've been involved in every aspect of the film, and I've got a front row seat to watching, you know, a great director grow as a director. And so that... That made it much easier for me, let's say. That's
1: Pixar editor extraordinaire Kevin Nolting. The Pixar short, which Kevin directed, is called 22 Versus Earth, and it's now available on Disney+, which brings this show to its own happy ending. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week.
0: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long.